Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. that going forward in time to view alternate futures to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict how many did you see 14 million six hundred five how many did we win one good morning cloning woods how's everybody today Oh my, that didn't encourage me at all. Let me. And I think I took you off guard there a little bit. Let me. I'm going to get you a little time to get ready. I want you to know in about two seconds. I'm going to ask you how you're doing, so you can kind of get yourself ready for this. Hey, Cloney Woods, how's everybody doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm shocked by your response. I'm so encouraged by that. Hey, if you have your Bibles today, just have them handy. We're going to go on a journey today. I don't always do survey messages, but sometimes it's really good for us not just to only hunker into one passage of Scripture, but one of the things I was taught when I was being discipled in my first year of faith was understand what the entirety of God's Word says. What does is, what is the entirety teach rather than just one passage? And so today I want to talk a little bit about parenting for the end game. That passage or that particular video clip, if you don't know, was from the Avengers series, Marvel Comics. It was the Endgame particular uh, movie. It was toward the end, and Doctor Strange was a guy who his head was going everywhere. Now I'm looking out, and I can kind of see the light bulbs for some of you coming on. And I'm one of those guys that was taught years and years ago that pastors ought to be studying every single day, everything you do in life, you're studying for sermons. And so when you read the paper, magazines, you're in the shower, whatever you're doing, all of it is the preview of God's truth in the world. And when I watch this, my mind goes places in movies. And when I was watching this clip, immediately it exploded because I said, man, this is incredible. If you didn't see what he was doing, Dr. Strange, through his time stone, is able to look into multiple futures, multiple possible futures. He goes forward, what was it, um, 6 million, 4 million, 14 million, something like that. 14 million, 605, I think, possible futures. And there was only one in which they could possibly win. And immediately my brain started thinking, oh man, this is a great truth about Christ. How everybody thinks there's multiple ways, but there's only one way to the Father, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Then I started thinking about it as possible conflict with my wife. And how there are 14 million possible things I could say and only one of them is going to be the right one. I thought about that. I, I thought, I, I need to go this direction on this. And then I thought about parenting. And I, I thought, man, if I had a time stone, 
If I could look forward 30 years ago into the multiple possible ways in teaching, training, leading our kids, I wonder what I would have seen. Because I, I, for those of us who are in this room, there are all types of folks. There are some who are not parents yet, or you have never been a parent. Some of you are grandparents, and you now are watching generations grow. Some are even great-grandparents. Some are parents of young children, older children. Some are like us, my, my Tammy and I. We're in that empty stage. We're in that quasi-empty stage. We, we are empty nesters. And yet we have one who keeps coming back. It's Wesley, and he's back, right? He's back because of college, but in a couple of years, I assume he'll probably be somewhere and we'll be empty, empty nesters. And can I tell you, it is a whole different world. And what we began to realize as Tammy and I talk and, and as we laugh with others is that parenting does not stop. Your care for your kids doesn't stop when they become young adults. In fact, I will tell you in some ways, this phase of life is very, very challenging and frustrating because um, you can no longer just get them to do what you want them to do, and yet you still love them and you still want to direct them, and yet they don't really have to listen to you. And learning how to go through that whole thing, just jokingly, we have lots of friends who are in the same stage, and they have their first children leaving the nest. And, and I will jokingly say, yeah, Tammy and I are going to start a support group for empty nesters. I have yet to have a person who didn't respond we want to join. <laughs> Every one of them wants to join because it's a whole different stage of life. And so what I want to do today, because last week we looked at Judah. We looked at a crazy beginning to complicated relationships. We took a look a little bit at the family Jacob of how it was so messy and there were so many complicated aspects. But what I want to do is give us some foundational truths, but I want to work to three things that I think I'm learning about this whole thing of parenting, especially as your kids get older and begin to transition out into their own. Now, the foundational truths I always work with, I probably shared these two or three times over the years, are about children. Number one, first foundation, Every child is a gift. Say that out loud, would you? Every child is a gift. Yes, even that child. Teacher, even that child. Uh, some of you right now are educators going, really? <laughs> I didn't say all gifts are always easy, okay? So yeah, every child is a gift. In fact, Scripture says that children are a gift from God. They are His reward. Number two, though, every child is unique. Proverbs chapter 22 is a passage long quoted, and it, it is often quoted by parents or by pastors basically saying that as long as you teach your kids the right things when they're young, when they get old, they, they'll, they'll still follow the Lord. And you know, there's an inference in that passage, but that's not really what that passage focuses on. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. The word way he should go, it's a phrase that means according to his bents. Every child is unique. Every child has a different personality or blend of personality. 
Those of you who have real little children, you're probably already seeing that, right? You're already seeing their personalities. If you have adult children, you know different personalities. They have different callings and purposes and plans. And it is not our job to make our children fit into our plan and purpose for their life. It is our responsibility to help them discover the plan and the purpose that God has for their life and help them to walk into it. Now I will say in a general plan, it is always God's will for everyone to worship Him, bring Him honor and glory. So that is the big purpose God has for every person. But as we begin to refine, my, my job is not to make sure my children are pastors because I want them to be. I want them to do what God wants them to do. Wesley um, and I were driving on uh, Pine Grove Avenue. We were in the Fort Gratiot area right by Midas at a stoplight. Right over to the left of us is Denny's. This has been goodness i mean it was long enough ago he was calling me daddy and he said daddy someday when you grow up <laughs> that's never going to happen uh, someday when you grow up if you could be anything you wanted to be what would you be and i remember as i answered him like that i looked over and i said wesley your dad is the luckiest guy in the entire world because I am doing exactly what God created me to do. And I said, I cannot think of anything else that I could possibly do that I would enjoy more. And someday, you're going to find what God's created you for. And I want you to enjoy it. And I want you to walk into it. And it doesn't mean it's what I'm doing. And so every child's unique. And I think we know that, right? You can raise up children in exactly the same way, but they kind of got different directions. Number three, don't want to get too stuck on these, but number three, every child is a trust, which means they don't belong to us. We are entrusted with them. They are gifts from God, but we are stewards of all of his resources, all of our finances, everything we have. This church doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. Our children don't really belong to us. We are entrusted with them for a period for the glory of God. And so we need to be faithful with that trust, Scripture says. But here's a word that's going to encourage you and terrify you. Every child has a choice. Now, if you're in a, you have adult children, it should encourage you, mom and dad. Your children have a will. You can raise up two children in exactly the same way. You can teach them the principles of God's Word. You can instruct them in a similar manner. You can dis uh, disciple and discipline them in a similar manner. And the fact is, is that every child has a choice now if you're if you're the parent of small children that probably terrifies you right now but the fact is is they do and sometimes one of the heartbreaks of parents is that we we raise our kids we think we've done the best job we can we we've honored the lord we've we've, we've taught them principles and and the scriptures and we've taught them about what it means to be a follower of christ but the fact is is that solomon himself wrote in proverbs my son do not forget my teaching but keep my commands in your heart. Proverbs 13.1 A wise son heeds his father's instruction. What Solomon is trying to help his son understand is, son, you've got a choice. 
We set the groundwork. We did baby dedication last week, and I challenged the parents to emulate a faith for their kids and to teach them. But in the end, it really is going to be a choice in their walk with God. Now, before we hit the three things I want to share at the end, I do want to share with you three things, though, that every child deserves. Every single one of them. According to God's Word, every child deserves unconditional love. Because as we love our kids, we're loving them as God loves our, our kids and as God loves us, and His love is not conditioned. Now understand, consequences, yes. It's okay to have consequences. But love is not conditional. The blessings and the consequences are. And if we understand that, I love Scripture even tells us the model of love is that love is patient, love is kind. But look through that passage, it says love always protects, always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, and you never always ever do anything unless you determine you're always going to do it. And that's the way it is with our kids. And that's the way we affirm our kids. And that's the way we affirm even our adult children that maybe don't make the choices we want. And that's the way we continue to love one another. It's with God's love, which is an unconditional love. Number two, every child deserves boundaries and discipline. I just lost everybody under 18. I just You completely turned it off, right? No, no, they, you're owed to that. In fact, Scripture says that God disciplines us because He loves us. And if He didn't love us, He wouldn't discipline us. Now, what is discipline? Discipline is training and boundaries so that when we're walking within, there is a safety net. And when we walk beyond... It is not a safety net. This is not particular instruction on how to discipline, but with what heartbeat to discipline. Parents are going to disagree, right? We're going to disagree that you only use these kinds of words or that you do or don't apply a little pressure or that you do or don't do certain things. But how we do it is always intended to give training and boundaries. The other night, one of the coolest things, we go over to Calvin and Kyla's house and we had burgers and we're hanging out with them and we were playing with the kids, Jackson and Porter. And Calvin, when I walked in, he looked at me and he said, I got something you got to try. And I'm thinking it's got to be the jalapeno dip, you know, that he wants me to try. It's not. It's a new toy. It is a virtual reality video gaming system. Have any of you seen these things? How many have tried one? Oh, it's worth the price of admission. They're incredible. Because you put on these goggles. Now, I've seen them over the years, but I've never experienced one. It comes, and it comes over and it becomes, you become the game. You can't see anything outside of this mask that is on you. You've got to calibrate the system because in the game, you can see your hands. You can look down at the floor. You look anywhere you want and that's what you see and then what we did is we he calibrated it so that it would connect with the tv so that we could see what the person in the game is seeing and we could watch him on tv and tammy went first i got some incredible video by the way um i i, I promised i no it really was it was fun because you get lost in the game you start doing things and you forget people can be 
taking pictures. Uh, they got video of me too. I have a feeling they're going to show up somewhere sometime in my lifetime. And so Tammy's in it and she's doing this and it tells her to dance and she's doing all this stuff. And it was just, it's crazy. I get into it. And the first thing that it does is it acclimates you to learn how to, to, to you know, see your hands and stuff. And then it says, okay, now you can pick things up. So like I was picking up airplanes and making them go with my virtual hand. I was trying to juggle. I didn't get that. But I was able to hit a ping pong ball and I was able to you know, do all kinds of stuff. Then it says, okay, take a step forward. And as you step slowly forward, all of a sudden a gray screen comes up. This is your front boundary. Turn to your left. You turn to your left. You walk this way. A screen comes up. This is your side boundary. Turn around. You turn around. Go to the other way. There's a screen that comes up. This is your right boundary. You turn around. Turn around. You go back. It creates, and it says, this is now your boundary. And the reason they give you boundaries is so you don't walk into windows and doors and walls because you get into it. Uh, my video, I got into it. I, I'm fighting somebody. I'm a pretty good fighter in virtual stuff. And I, you know, I was doing all kinds of stuff. And, and I saw the video later and I'm going like this all over the, the room and stuff. But I always knew that as long as I didn't go past the gray screen, I was, I was okay. I wasn't going to hit anything. What a great concept for, for discipline and training. And we, we give these boundaries. Number three, every child, every child deserves someone to emulate. Whether it's a parent or a grandparent, I know so many grandparents within our congregation that you have now become parents of another generation. Thank you. Every child deserves a life to emulate educators, administrators, first bosses, coaches. A godly life to emulate. Every child deserves that. But what I began to recognize as I was getting ready for this message is that when our children were little, if I could have done the time thing where I could have seen multiple things that I thought were going to be for good that didn't have the return that I thought or maybe it didn't even connect with them and then things that I, I didn't even give any consideration to that had great impact in them. And as those children grow older and as they begin to go into adulthood, I finally began to understand what my mom said to me 25, 30 years ago. Phil, you won't understand until you're sitting where I'm sitting. My mom still carries concern, deep concern for her family. So much so that when I went to Africa, on a trip that ended with a hunt, my sisters and I were talking and they said, we think it's a good idea for you not to tell mom you're going to Africa. I said, she's going to be mad. They said, we'll deal with it. Don't let her know. She won't sleep. So on the way to the airport, I called my mom. I usually call several times a week 
it was a couple of weeks I hadn't called and I'm just getting back into the country I'm sitting in the airport in Atlanta Georgia my mom calls me says hey you haven't called how you doing I go I'm good you know I was back into so finally it was on the way home from the airport here I'm driving home I call my mom I said mom I got to tell you the truth I've been in Africa for the last two weeks and I've been doing this and I, and I never told you and I apologize girls we thought maybe you'd be too uh, you know too worried about it and at first she started to get upset and then she goes that was probably a good choice <laughs> she never stops caring she never stops being a parent and I'm realizing three things that are always appropriate as we begin to transition as our kids get older we need to take this into consideration by the way when, when, I was, when I was 21 and a new pastor, I, I could give you five absolutes about parenting. I had kids. And then they became, you know, five ideas for raising kids. And then my kids turned into early teens. And I had five suggestions about raising kids. And, and my kids turned teenager into driving. And then it became five questions that I have about. I, there are no absolutes, but I'm noticing the, the appropriateness of these things. Number one, always parent for permanency. And permanency is eternity. And helping every child understand there really is an end game. That my life is not just about me. My life is not just about this. We were not designed for a hundred years or less. We were designed for eternity. Therefore, everything I do in life is for something else. It's for a higher calling. It doesn't mean not to enjoy life. It doesn't mean not to celebrate what we have, but just simply understanding. And I, I feel like we did a pretty good job of that. I feel like that we brought that aspect into a lot of our conversation, that God designed us for something more than just what's happening today. Number two, it's parenting for principles, not just rules. Now, it doesn't mean rules are wrong. But rules, as Josh McDowell said years ago, rules without relationship equal rebellion. But rules tell us what to do. Whereas understanding the principles behind it helps me understand why I should do it. And it changes things. My educational system. I was always a why guy growing up. I was a why guy in Sunday school. Teachers hated it. I was a why guy in... I, I, I was always a why guy. I, in fact, I never enjoyed world history, U.S. history. I never enjoyed it in high school because it was all about facts. It was all about what happened. When I got to college, I began to discover why it happened and I loved it. When I went off to college at Indiana University, my first year education was microeconomics, macroeconomics, political science, sociology, psychology, all that kind of stuff. Then we sat out a year, Tammy and I actually got married, had to make money, uh, to go to college and finish my education. And then during that time, we felt a strong call to ministry. So my direction changed. And I began to go to a small college in the middle of Cornfield County, Iowa. Called Oskaloosa, Iowa, but it's like Cornfield County. 
And what was interesting about my education there, and I didn't realize it till later, is that my professors were awesome at teaching the why and the how, but not just the what. When I compared my education with others who had gone through biblical training, so many of them had studied like one book of the Bible, whereas we looked at a lot of Scripture, the theology behind it, and then how do you dig into that passage and understand what that passage was happening. And so what happened was, when I came out of, of college, I came out not with a bunch of sermon material, but I, I knew how to find the answers I needed. My, my master's education at Bethel University is real similar to that. It was, it was about what, what do you need in life, and here's what, the, here's what the difference between rules and principles are. Rules, rules establish what to do if this situation comes up, but principles establish what happens if anything like it comes up. And it, you begin to teach how to apply God's truth to multiple situations, and if we've learned anything about culture, we are answering questions today that 20 years ago we had no idea we we're going to be answering those questions. Culture changes so fast. The things that are available are so fast. And so we've got to have the ability to know how to make those decisions and make godly decisions without having all the rules to follow. And so, again, it's not against rules. But it's learning the right places to put boundaries, but the principles that help to guide us. Number three. It's parenting toward a partnership. Now you've heard me say a lot that if your children are, are between 1 and 13, they, they don't really need a friend, they need a parent. They, they do. But I, I learned something. This whole thing of handing off to young adulthood, some of you are coming up on this real soon. Some of you are now empty nesters. Some, some of you are empty nesters, but the children are still at home, if you get what I'm saying. They're adults, but they're home. Some of you have just kind of pushed and, and encouraged them out of the home. They're on their own. They're on. And now you're realizing, man, what I could kind of enforce and watch back then, I can't do now. And it's really hard. And there was an encounter when Calvin was 16 years old. I was in the backyard and we had a major blow up. Have no idea what it was about. Yelling on both sides. And I walked inside and the Holy Spirit spoke so loudly to me and He said, Phil, you better figure out how to lead Him differently or you'll never have a voice in His life in the future. And something clicked. And... <clears throat> I didn't do it perfectly, but I did begin to change. And I began to realize that in a couple of years, I really, I really have very little say in his life. And if I want to fight about everything right now, 
I could probably win. I was still big enough, I was still loud enough, and I still could take everything in his life away from him. Seriously. Legally, I don't have to let him have a car. Legally, I really only have to give him food, clothing, and shelter. I don't, he doesn't, he doesn't owe, I'm no home an Xbox. By law, I don't. But I realized that I was going to lose influence. And so I began to apply at 16 and 17. I, I did this really well with Wes, I think, I think. He would go to a friend's house, and we had some rules because of our what we believe we, we, we didn't like certain types of entertainment, certainly certain kinds of anything to do with uh, uh, witchcraft and that kind of we just didn't allow it in our house. It's not telling you what to do. It just was our personal standards. and so they knew there were things they couldn't really watch and do inside of a house. But if they go to friends' houses, frankly, they could. And Calvin said, "Hey, we're going to go to my friend's house. We're going to watch this. Are you okay with that?" And I said, "You know, Cal." Next year, you really don't have to ask me that question. And if you're going to make that decision in a year, I, I, you ought to make it now. I trust you. In, a, in five months, you're going to be in college, and frankly, I'm not going to have a clue what you're doing, really. But let's be honest, parents. We don't. Not unless you have a webcam. Or you know what? I heard you can hack into their phones. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And I began to apply that over and over again. I realized what I'm doing is I am, I am in that movie clip I showed you, there's, it's really interesting at the end of the movie, Doctor Strange and Iron Man are fighting Thanos, who is the enemy of the universe. Sound familiar? They're fighting him, and Doctor Strange gives in in the fight, lets him have the stone so that Thanos will not kill Iron Man. Why? Because in the only way that this was going to win, Doctor Strange realized Iron Man was the key to them ever defeating this guy in the future. And Iron Man looks at Doctor Strange, and he says, why did you do that? And Dr. Strange says, we're in the end game now. And learning how to pull back a little bit of the protectiveness, just a little. Parents, can I tell you, I can't give you a, a how-to guide on this one. I, do, I don't know it for myself. All I know is the Holy Spirit is so faithful that as I beg God to give me wisdom and discernment in moment by moment times of what to do, when to push, when to pull back. God loves our kids more than we love our kids. And He knows how to help us make those decisions. And listening to the Holy Spirit that says, you know what? This is maybe one of those times you need to pull back a little bit. I had a, I had a parent call me said, I need some advice. I have, a, I have a child who wants to go to the prom. He's going with this person. I, we don't really want him to go with her. <sighs> what do I do? And I just said, is he a good kid? And I knew he was. Have you taught him well? I knew he had been. I said, listen, Dad, in five months, he 
He ain't listening. He's not living anywhere close to you, and he can date anybody he wants. You could win. But if you want a voice later, this might be one of those times you just support. Followed up with the parent. This has been years ago. I followed up with the parent because I want to ask him for permission to share the story. And I said, oh, by the way, I said, How, how's he? He said, that girl, <laughs> she, she was out of the picture right away. Never, never I said, great, that's good. You, you've, you've taught him really well. Invest, pray, teach, and then support. We want to be involved in their lives for the rest of their lives. So Father, um, I shared a whole array of things today and maybe it was more of a a self-diagnosis than anything else, but I know this. Um, I love my children, my grandchildren. I love them with all my heart and I love them as much or more today than I've ever loved them. And I realized something. I, I... I thought I had a lot of answers and I'm realizing that you have way better answers. And so Lord, there are some today that are in a whole different phase of life. Some are early teens. Some are just getting ready to to ship them off to college. Some are empty nesters. Some have little tiny children. Some are, are really having some regrets. Some, Lord, are in a place where they're just praying. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you're faithful that as we pray for our family, as we pray for our kids, you are eternal and you're always faithful to your promises. And so, Lord, even if we're praying now and the answer doesn't come until we're already in heaven, we know you're the God who continues. We love you today. And we release our families to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.